How would you like to be part of a conversation that changed someone's life or even changed your own life? Welcome to the Be Fun, Be Kind podcast, where we have amazing discussions hosted by someone new each week. Join us at BeFunBeKind.com to be part of our live events. Now, here's your host for this week's episode. I'm, I'm actually really excited to have you on. Um, I've been kind of following you along just, I mean, not for a very long time, but um, when I knew that we were going to, to have you on the show today. And um, I, I think what you're doing is very uh, inspiring to me. I, I, I love sort of the philosophy behind um, what you're doing in your books. And um, yeah, I'm just very eager to, to, to have this conversation. So I'm happy to have you on. Well, thank you. I, I, it's, you know, it's always, it's always nice to talk uh, to someone that's had an opportunity, you know, to have just a little bit of a, a moment uh, to look over something. I mean, it's not, it's, it's an intuitive idea and people connect with it relatively quickly, but the first time you hear it, you might step back and say, can I really get my head around this? And then, but once you do, you feel very comfortable with it. So thanks. I'm glad that you, uh, you saw the work and, um, and I'm glad that it meant something to you and that, you know, the end game here is that if you can use it, then I've done my job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned, can I use it? And because I think that um, if, if I can maybe paraphrase a little bit here, one of the things it seems that is um, critical to your sort of philosophy behind your work mm-hmm. is, is the idea of a, like a legacy building a legacy and sort of, bestowing your learnings onto other people, right? The, uh, the mentorship stage. And I think that for the better part of my life, I didn't really understand legacy. I mean, I understood it from a, like a logical perspective, but it just never really hit me. It never really, it didn't, it didn't inspire me. And I I suppose maybe it has something to do with having, um, children like we have a almost a three-year-old now P- perhaps that's like the uh the primitive nature of like you know wanting to to build a legacy or something but recently i've been thinking about it um quite a bit more so in in kind of researching uh what you're all about um that was something that, that just connected to me personally is is the idea of you know your work in life is to kind of make everyone else better i i guess if if that's fair to say that's exactly fair to say. Uh, and, and that's the underlying, um, if you will, full, full circle philosophy that uh, brought me to craftsmanship as a worldview, as a foundation from which to go forward and make sense of and establish what I felt in my own life and to share with others, uh, something that I think the human species found out tens of thousands of years ago uh, and um, was taught uh, in everyone's life every single day, but I think can easily be you know, covered over by the next social media uh, thing or video clip that's coming through your home or your earphones or whatever, and you lose this fundamental idea that uh, if, if you just sit back and take a look at, you know, purpose fundamentally, uh, 
it seems to me to be the one thing that makes more sense than anything else, which is, I don't know if life is finite or infinite. I don't know if the twin events of birth and death define everything, or if in fact, that's the launching pad to a longer consciousness and existence. But I do know one thing, that if the fundamental gift or return that you're giving is a legacy, a a series, and I'll use the word objects, and we'll get into that, back to the next generation, that to me has more purpose than anything else I've found. Yeah, yeah, I I think that, um, I think you're right about that, um, at least the way that my brain has been working uh, sort of recently, I guess. And I wonder, you know, is is there some sort of like a, and perhaps this is even like a global phenomenon, but it seems to me that that's more of a Western thing, like the individualistic sort of mentality versus the, um, I don't know, the global sort of mentality. It, It seems that, at least when you read about this sort of thing, that the Eastern mentality is much more about legacy and, and community and the western value system is much more sort of um you know where can i get uh, myself how much money can i make and i suppose that when you're like mired in the what school did you go to um how much are you making you know what's your title and and all that stuff that aren't trivial i mean they matter but i suppose when you get mired in that sort of thing it's very easy to be distracted by the fact but is that it? Is that all? Is that all that there is? Because that that seems cheap to me. It does. I I, I agree with you. It uh, it rings hollow. Um, and 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 it might be cool for a while. I mean, you might get a jazz out of it. And I think the reason you get a jazz out of it is because there is this sense of self fulfillment, which ultimately doing one's work well and achieving, which is a fundamental principle of craftsmanship. Uh, still, you know, it, 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 it lifts you up and it builds you. But if that's it, if it just stops there um, and, you know, we can go back and forth about whether or not this is a Western or Eastern, or it's a human phenomena that changes from time to time and place to place, depending on with the tide and the ocean, what's where it's washing up in time. Um the, the I think the fundamental idea is that, the, you know, the human condition is constantly struggle with the difference between I and us, right? Me and we. And I think constantly, even even in the Western cultures, and, and by Western, I assume we're, we're speaking primarily of the European continent, but the, um, the the cultures of the world, I mean, if you go back in time and history and look at the fundamental philosophies that created their worldviews, whether you call it a religion or a philosophy or a school of thought or whatever the case may be, there, there, there's plenty of times and plenty of examples, uh, uh, no matter what part of the world you're in, of uh, the difference between I and us and, you know, me and we, and you, you can find it everywhere, including, you know, the West. You can find significant um, adherence to and embracing of family and heritage and leaving for the next generation and building that legacy and doing the highest quality work that you can to not only build your own purpose, but to then leave something of great value to those who come behind you. You can find this belief and understanding in every social construct that I've come across over the last 35 years, you know, researching and studying this. So, but from time to time and place to place, 
and we're in one of those places today, I think is your point. Uh, there can be a significant dominance of the I and the me versus the us and the we. Um, and you find yourself sometimes just facing it and saying, I don't want to get caught up into that crowd and get washed out and pulled by the undertow. Uh, I want to pull back from that because it doesn't feel balanced, right? And I think this is the fundamental principle that as we get in and talk about craftsmanship as a way of looking at things and what it means, the concept of balance and flow, um, which you know some people pull from other philosophical viewpoints of the world, but in, in the construct of craftsmanship, which is about building something that's useful and has purpose, balance and flow is at the center of it. And I think a lot of people just in their gut, whether their gut is in their mind or in their stomach somewhere, when they feel out of balance, they look for something else that tries to correct that balance. And I think for a lot of people, it's that interconnecting of the social component of existence, right? There's, there is self-dependence, but there is also interdependence. And when you get both of those in the same place, I think a lot of people feel much better about just their overall sense of tranquility and calm. And you can get those philosophies or those feelings from many different places and worldviews. But one in which I found that I think has not been talked about for a long, long time in the way that I talk about it is the idea of craftsmanship and life as a craft. And that's a, once you get a hold of that, you realize that you can have almost any worldview, any cultural background, and you'll find these truths present everywhere. Yeah, you know, and it's it's sort of um, it's a reassuring idea as well because I think, um, like for me personally, and, and obviously for many people out there, like I'm, you know, I'm in my late 30s and I'm mm-hmm. still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Absolutely. And so, <clears throat> I think when you have have sort of been bred to believe that there is one true calling, and maybe it's hard to find. Like maybe maybe it's not that simple. You're you're left with like just trying to find whatever that thing is. And meanwhile, you know, if life is finite and, and, you know, it's, it's an anxiety provoking feeling, but, but, you know, to, to your philosophy, if maybe it's not necessarily about what is that specific thing, maybe it's just about, you know, just bettering yourself and, and having sort of a logical approach to, um, how can I work on myself and how, how can I help the people around me? Um, you, you, you don't necessarily, you, you know, you're, you're able to sort of compartmentalize the idea of, of doing good for yourself rather than just searching for this thing that you may never find. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the searching for the thing you may never find that that was a recent article that I put into the life masterpiece journal, which is my master's journal now being given back to the world. And in that particular article, it asks the question, Is your purpose something that is outside you and you will look for and journey, you know, in the hero's way to try to find and maybe go through trials and errors and monsters and dragons and all that? Or is perhaps the concept of purpose pre-wired already in you, which is this thing from when a tiny baby at like one year old is sitting there and snapping their 
high chair harness together and is like exploding with, you know, pride when they actually get it right and they unsnap it and do it again and unsnap it and do it again. And they just keep doing it over and over and over. What one can observe are the fundamental principles that they teach us in craftsmanship, which is the constant observation and practice to improve one's skill. And when one recognizes one's own skill being elevated, one then has a sense of self-esteem and self-importance and, you know, and, and purpose within, so that if that can be found in all the things we do, we are constantly fulfilling our purpose. And therefore, it's, in, it's built in, no matter how it gets expressed on the outside. So then there's this you know, anxiety thing, as you were talking about, that you start to k- kind of understand it that, you, you know, this, this, this becomes a, I don't want to call it a, a, a life journey, but if, if you start taking it to the next level, which is that in the craftsman's traditions of the, of, of for all millennia, what they're trying to teach us is understanding the material you're working with, understanding its, you know, characteristics and its limitations, understanding the processes to transform that material in the craft and the tools that we're applying on that material need to be skillfully applied. You then start in the way of craftsmanship, coming back to your life as a craft and saying, well, can I then apply those principles to crafting my own life as a masterpiece? And at that moment, a light bulb goes on and says, my gosh, number one, that's a fantastic long-term objective because it's there waiting for me every day out ahead of me. But the second thing that's really interesting that I found about this is that there is, there are other schools that teach you Self-development is one thing, and then social reciprocity is something that's separate and different, right? And you have to work on being a social philanthropist, give back, whatever the case may be. In the way of craftsmanship, the way they teach it is if you perfect your work, if you improve your skills, if you produce quality results and you beam, you glow over that When you are putting that in front of the world, which is your work and yourself, by default, you're giving back. By default, you're already contributing. It's built in, just like the child with that purpose built in. And therefore, it doesn't become a second chore. The fulfillment of yourself automatically fulfills back to society. If you pay attention to it as a craft work that you're producing yourself. Automatically, if you're well established and you're glowing, you go to the store and they go, wow, that guy's in a great mood. Or, you know, look at that individual or, you know, look at their work that they're doing and like, wow, they're always on top of it. And and, uh, people are drawing back. Well, how did you get this? And how did you do that? And what is it? You know, now the power of attraction comes in because the quality and and the masterpiece of the work is attracting people to it. You know, go to a museum, stand in the Louvre and look at something. I, I was at the Petit Palais in Paris several years ago and it's one of the museums near the Louvre and I walked in and there they had reconstructed on the floor a mosaic that was somewhere on the order of six or seven thousand years old it was ridiculously old and I stood there and I looked at this thing for over an hour the guards were like kind of like what's with this guy 
But the reason <laughs> I was so drawn into this work was that they had created the little chips of blush in the cheeks of the woman. And just I'm telling you, the detail was beyond measure. And I looked at this and I thought, my God, I'm being drawn into the work. And then I started to ponder the invisible craftsmen and women behind the work and who they were. And that what they had done and what they had left in a tangible way, and this is one example, was something that was actually giving back to another human being thousands of years later. So this, I found, was an extraordinary revelation that when you start looking at things this way, by default, we're automatically giving back. And I think that this is, people can maybe separate themselves and say, gee whiz, it's not a burden, <laughs> you know, to give back, so to speak. Oh, I have to remember to contribute. Right. Uh, it, it becomes <clears throat> interconnected. It's already there. Yeah, well, um, that's a great story. And I, I, I have, I share that appreciation when I see certain things like that, just the idea of, of, wow, all these people worked on this. They're humans just like us. Right. Um, and, and it makes you wonder, like, did they, uh, while building that, did they know that it was going to be this great thing that would be around for thousands of years? Or were they just sort of doing their work? I mean, you know, what was, what were their thoughts composed of? Right. Yeah. I, I think there were probably, you know, in, in my opinion, again, because I'm only just the craftsman in the craft of life moving through the like the, the rest of us. So but in my opinion, if you ask as we're walking through the trail here together, you know, I would answer back. I think, Adam, most people are just going about crafting as they have been taught and improving and sometimes under pressure, sometimes under free will. And that there were probably only some, but it's hard to say, although uh, we'll tell another story, but it's hard to say, but, you know, maybe the pharaohs and the kings and a few of the others, you know, in time, including maybe even recent presidents of certain countries, uh, want to make themselves immortal or pretend to be immortal um, and, 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 and therefore, you know, do works or have works done in their name, you know, pyramids and whatever, right, for that immortality and presence. And they, and they certainly are. But it's the craftsmen and women who created those works, even though they might have been imagined by someone else, who actually created those works, whose skills were the ones that make it possible for us to even see that today, right? And by craftsmen and women, I don't mean people who just work with their hands, because there are crafts, mind craft, mm -hmm. equally uh, the same as there are handcrafts. So all human endeavor craft is, um, and I think at the end of the day, uh, if those individuals came from schools of craftsmanship in their particular medium, that their mentors taught them that the observation, and, and there are many schools like this, by the way, observation, practice, skill improvement, and excellence of execution is the end game. That whether they knew it was going to last for thousands of years, I don't know if it mattered because it was their existence in that moment in which it became fulfilling. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's really what it's all about, that you die with a smile on your face, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, and to, and to add to that, too, I think, like, is a work of art like that even possible without, let's say, the zeitgeist, um, you know, the goings-on at yeah. that time to inspire 
to even do something like that. You know, like there had to have been uh, almost a different value system to even approach something like that. Yes, I think you're right. I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the vibration of the culture at any given moment in time can have a very, very significant effect on this idea of craftsmanship as a personal, you know, fundamental fulfillment, uh, not, not just doing something and doing it, you know, mediocre, but whether or not it is being done with a high degree of skill and whether or not the society around you at that moment in time is reciprocating with honor and recognition of that skill when they receive it. Uh, and in w- one of the audio uh, articles uh, that I have on the, uh, like Masterpiece Journal, is The Way of Craftsmanship. And I take the listener around the world to about six or seven different cultures uh, and introduce fundamental principles taught in those cultures with regard to craftsmanship. And um, it, it's known. I mean, the, the, it's lifted up. Um, and to this day can be found. Uh, you, can, you can go to cultures, you know, everywhere. Uh, I was in Cairo some years ago. And went to uh, one of the principal bazaars and um, met, a, um, uh, met a man who uh, had a, a shop. It was all metalwork, beautiful, gorgeous metalwork. And um, he said, come on, I'll, um, let me make something for you. Let me do something for you, special for your family, whatever. And I said, well, I said, I wonder if you can do this. And I pulled out a card that has my coat of arms on it, which I had done 30 years ago in Spain. And I said, can you do something like this? And he looked at it and he said, oh, absolutely. I said, well, okay. So I gave him the card. It was, I think it was in the early part of the day. He said, come back tomorrow, you know, after the dinner hour. So I go through the day's work and I went back to the bazaar later that day. And I came in and there he had this metal dish, metal plate in which in, 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 uh, in hieroglyph, and in Arabic script, he had the names of my wife, myself, and my daughter. And in the center, they had reproduced by hand the coat of arms. I'm talking the full coat of arms. I'm talking the crest on the top, the lambrequin, the shield, the motto, everything. And I looked at this and I said, my gosh, I said, this is really extraordinary. And then I turned it over and I looked on the bottom and I said, but you didn't sign it. And he said, no. He said, in Islam, this is a, we do our work. The reason we are here is to do our work. And in the Islamic way, the craftsman doesn't usually sign their name because it was the work that was a form of prayer. And that in and of itself was fulfilling. And in this, you know, I, I understood yet another, and this is not unusual. This is done in the Western world. I've, you know, looked at it into the past. So these these things about, you know, the zeitgeist, what is present in the culture and how does it inform the way that we do those things is, I agree with you. I, I, I see it. And do they know it's going to be there a thousand years? Perhaps not, but it didn't matter. In those moments they did it, they lived in eternity. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Um, I, I love, I'm so attracted to people that are just amazing at what they do. There's just something <laughs> about that. Like, like you, we you all are, we love it. Yeah. I, I mean, like th- you mentioned earlier, um, just that you sort of radiate this, this kind of confidence and this, this attract attraction 
um, when you're that good at something. And I, I find that to be uh, so true myself and even things that I don't necessarily have that much interest in, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, um, I don't know. I mean, just, just anything. When you, when you find that whatever the viral YouTube video or something of someone who is just in that like flow state, they're That's just right. in that world and they can't see anything else, but that thing. Um, it's a very inspiring feeling. And I often uh, like yearn for that whenever I, whenever I can, but it's, it's not that, it's not that accessible all the time. No, know? it's fleeting. It is. You're right. Um, but I, I think you've just introduced the audience to a really important observation in looking at life as a craft and the way of craftsmanship, which is we are drawn and attracted to work executed extremely well, right? I won't use the word perfect, but in a way it's this. So, you know, see for a moment, be in the presence of a six foot seven human being that flies through the air and dunks a basket and you're, the crowd goes insane. I mean, just look at what was just done. How many years of observation and practice and incremental improvement did they go through to achieve that state of flow? That is an expression of craftsmanship in its absolute perfect form. Now take that and look at it in in everything else that you've encountered that. A fabulous meal, an extraordinary motion picture, an automobile, and individuals whose life you perceive to be a, an expression of balance and improve everywhere we look and we see this and we can't wait to tell each other about it. Oh, did you see this? Oh, did you see that? We seem to love to share high level of execution, something done well. And when we give that back to the author, whoever it might be, and in this particular case, the, the bazaar, you know, the shop owner in the bazaar, he took that back into the craftsman inside, you know, and said, you know, he liked it and he loved it. And that's probably all it needed for him. But when we do that for one another, it's extraordinary. That's the reciprocity of social coming back to something we've given out. So it's just that's what I find so amazing about this particular way of looking at life and the world is that just by doing well for yourself with the understanding that it is part of the environment in which you are in, which means there's that social, what is the effect on society around you? It starts to really change the way you see and do what you do and how you do it. And you start to see the difference between people who are craftsmen and women and look at the world as craftsmen and women or people who are selfish and don't. And the results of their work have a significant negative impact on the world. And you realize they're off balance. They're, they are all about them. They're not about us. You know, let me, let me kind of uh, throw you a compliment as well here in terms of, of how I think your, your sort of philosophy um, pertains to some of the goings on today, uh-huh. uh, which is that I, I think that it, that sort of, it is becoming like en vogue to like look inward and practice mindfulness. And th- those things are very like hot topics lately. And, mm. and, and they're good. I mean, when they're authentic anyway, I mean, sometimes uh. they're a little, it's like narcissism, narcissism masquerading as virtue or something. So that, I think that exists as well. <laughs> well um, said. <laughs> but, but overall, for sure, it's, it's a good thing. 
Um, but I, I often think that the idea of mindfulness is very abstract and it's very, I think, difficult for more logical people to really like go down that path. And I, I get the sense that what you're doing is almost a little bit more of a logical approach to mindfulness is the idea of like, yes, we need to be mindful, but here are sort of the sort of the ways in which you can go about doing that. Would you agree with that? So let's start with the word logical. So we could say yes, because you hear behind craftsmanship, you hear the shadow of something called structure. That's what you're hearing. And you're hearing architecture and you're hearing placement and you're hearing balance and so forth. Math. Yeah. You're here. That's what you are hearing that. And there is no question that all of that is there. And why is it there? Because over time, a craft or a trade profession, use whatever word you want to, uh, goes through an evolution whereby it then starts to become surrounded with borders that say, this is what this craft is. This is what the knowledge of this craft is. Here are the processes within this craft. Here are the materials used in this craft. Here are the tools used in this craft. And, they, and, and, and schools arise wherein the craft is taught and where the apprentices are measured for their proficiency and their skill over time. And so that logical that you're hearing sounds structural, and it is. What happens, however, is in the way of craftsmanship is the mentors teaching downstream to those who eventually come out of apprenticeship and move into the next phase of life journey work where you are somewhere between 25 and 45. And you start distinguishing yourself as a craftsman or a craftswoman in your trade or trades. There is a moment when because of the 10,000 hours of practice that you've put in, when you start entering into that work on any given day and you move into the zone, the flow, there's nothing logical about it. You are in a state of balance. You are in a state of interaction. You, are you in a state of art? You may well be the state of the art or the art of the state. And is that a moment of mindfulness whereby there is clarity and there is movement of the inner human being and the outer human being in harmony, direct one another, not getting ahead of the other? And are you in a complete state of consciousness, perhaps? Because you're in now what craftsmanship teaches is the idea of deep work. Right? Those moments when you're in and in and in and in and you're hours into it and you're down deep into it. So could we call that mindfulness? I think very much so. Uh, and is it mathematical? Not at the moment it's happening, but it certainly is built on structure and process and training and practice. Right. So I think that's the yin and the yang of it. Right. I mean, one is the complete artful state and the other one is the opposite of it, which is the digital data state of, you know, bits and pieces. Um, but I think that's the difference between, you know, people go through life patchworking things together. Um, and now they're this collage of stuff. And when they try to get into mindfulness or flow or however we want to call that state, they have a very difficult time 
because they haven't learned a specific observation practice and skill set that takes them back in in a consistency. And if you're going to learn a martial art, you practice that same move over and over and over again until you get it right. So um, I think this is one of the other things about craftsmanship that brings itself out that I think is important for people to hear. It does not require a state of altered consciousness. It doesn't require anything else other than what any one of us can actually achieve, which is learning to focus and learn through observation, practice, and continuous improvement, anything that we set our minds to. That's fundamental formula is fundamentally human. That goes back to the baby again. That baby practicing snapping over and over and over again gets it right. And then they go, okay, that's cool. I got that one. <laughs> now I'm going to move on to the next toy and put it in my mouth and see what this is all about, right? So yeah, I don't know if that answered the question, but I see it as both things, right? Yeah. <clears throat> it's almost like the there's sort of the training to get to that state of, exactly. of flow. Exactly. But how can I best get there as much as I can? Because everyone loves to be there when you when you can get there, whether that's artistically or or I don't know, any number of, of things. It it feels good. <laughs> that's right. You know, you know you've achieved it. I mean, I, I noticed that you know, in um in the emerging software coding world uh they're spending a lot of time talking about craftsmanship coding as a craft and what is good craftsmanship in software coding you know and they and there's a lot of conversation about process and there's a lot of conversation about what you're delivering in terms of quality code work and, you know and they're going right because it's 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 a hand mind thing i mean it's it's all done by you know it's all handmade so to speak and uh and there's a lot of that going on so i think that when people start to become exposed to the way of craftsmanship which is extremely ancient and i'm only repeating something that our four ancestors <laughs> learned and are passing down um that you then can turn to any medium you want whatever it is that you do and are drawn to mm. and begin to practice craftsmanship using that as a vehicle. And by using that as a vehicle, you then can realize, my gosh, so I could technically go across many different topical areas, which are the five elements of life as a craft and go into any of these areas, depending upon what needs to be on my workbench at any moment in time, that I need to learn because of necessity, raising the child, doing the house properly, whatever it might be, and approach it from a craftsman or craftswoman's perspective and realize, okay, so there's a body of knowledge here that needs to be learned. Okay, to what degree do I need to learn it? Do I need to master it? Not necessarily, but proficiency might be what I need. Okay, then what are the processes associated with it? And then what, is the, what are the tools and what I will call skillful use of the tools? We do not have to be masters in everything, which is something that a lot of people take away and burden themselves with. But proficiency in the way of craftsmanship can be learned with many things. And that's all we need. You don't need to get a PhD in everything. You can get a bachelor's degree <laughs> in many different topics and still be performing and executing in a craftsmanlike manner. And that's all eventually coming back and building your life, which is the right. primary masterpiece that we're making, isn't it? 
Yeah. So, so essentially you're saying the idea of, of like the end goal um, as it pertains to whatever craft uh, fulfillment, not necessarily perfection or the best of anybody, but, but just fulfillment, right? That's essentially what you're saying. Um, yes. I'm talking about basic levels of skill. So staying within the craftsman's mindset, there are certain uh, topical areas in our lives, for example, career being one of them that we're thrown into, where we strive for master level of skill. You know, we're pushed towards being you know, the number one, you know, and or getting it, you know, and, and sometimes push too hard to be there because then you end up going to that level uh, in a selfish way. And you look around when you hit that mountain peak and there's nobody else there with you and you kind of stall and, you know, you burn out. But so what I'm saying more than anything is that the messaging that's coming out in the world today is an either, or it's an extreme message. You have to be extreme exercise, extreme software coder, extreme podcaster, no extreme, right? Extreme is not balance. So what, what it basically says is there are things in your life, family and individually, in which mastery of particular elements or components are necessary because of the importance that they have on family well-being, such as you know, personal and family finance or household management, which is your workshop, right? However, there are many other what I'll call related topical areas in life that you will be bringing on and experiencing as you go through life in which achieving the level of master is not necessary. You don't have to push yourself to be there in order to be a masterpiece because those components in your particular life balance don't require you to be a master, but it doesn't require you to be uh absent-minded either you just don't go running headlong into it now take the craftsman's approach and say all right for these particular areas i'll look at it from a craftsman point of view i'll know that there's some knowledge that needs to be gained i know there's a level of skill that needs to be attained but you don't have to have the master's level of skill you could be a skilled practitioner which is called artisan Right. So by understanding that you don't have to push yourself to those limits, you realize that the human being, which is the craft, which is the material at the center of the craft of life, if you put too much pressure on it, it's going to break. If you put too much pressure on wood, it's going to snap. If you don't treat the clay correctly, it's going to crack and explode in the kiln. Human beings today are taught push it to the absolute limit in every way possible. And, you know, there's a beautiful saying from the Tao Te Ching, the Chinese, they say, if you draw a bow to its fullest length, you will wish you had stopped in time. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's well said. And uh, I'd also even add the idea of um, don't let perfection be the enemy of good, which is something that I often have to remind myself. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes good is good enough. It's sometimes exactly what is right. Because you don't need every ingredient in the mix, which is you, to the top level of fulfillment. You need to have those ingredients mixed according to the organic element of, of the trade. A lot of people don't see themselves as an organic material 
the way they might see the materials they work for work with in their career or vocation. They just don't look at the human being that way. Whereas in the way of craftsmanship, if you were to put you, the human being, up on a little table and step back, you know, one vision is like a sculptor or, you know, a potter, if you will. And now look at that material, you would realize that it has very particular characteristics that you should be mindful of as you go to work on it. And a lot of people have no clue of the damage they're doing to that material by bad process, by poorly applying the tools of the trade, right? By letting others go to work on that material and mess it up and have a significant impact on it. They just give themselves over to someone or something. And that craftsperson may not be a craftsperson and just may hack at that thing, right? So I think the the critical there's a there's a there's a craftsman a, a wood craftsman his name is George Nakashima and he is a crafter of furniture he comes out of a place called New Hope Pennsylvania <clears throat> that's not far from me it's not far from you no yeah he wrote this beautiful book away. he wrote this beautiful book called The Soul of a Tree and it's a beautiful coffee table book but the the, the he and he's one of the craftsmen that I read you know 30 years ago. And one of his, one of his sayings in the book is he takes you through and he talks to you about the tools that are used and how he approaches things. He said, sometimes a piece of wood, a plank that he'll have in his workshop. Sometimes I will let it sit there for five years or more trying to determine exactly what to do with it. He said, because every piece of wood is unique and every piece of wood has a yearning to fulfill itself. And if I don't understand that yearning, that natural characteristics of that particular plank, it will not fulfill itself. It will be locked up. It will be frustrated. And my job is to release its natural specialties so that it does fulfill itself. Well, now look at your own life as that plank, as that piece of wood. It's yearning to fulfill itself. So make sure that you're a master craftsman or craftswoman as you go to work on this piece of wood, which is your life, such that when you release it, it becomes an object of beauty that not only you are completely proud of, but when the rest of the world sees it, they just stand in awe. They, oh my God, isn't that beautiful? You know, the, like what you just described to me is like the perfect definition of mastery over a craft is the ability for for that guy uh george to to look at what most people would describe i don't know it's a piece of wood wood, that's a piece of wood that's a piece of wood that's a piece of wood who cares to be able to look at that and understand the intricacies and the dynamics of of like one piece versus another piece so well to know that its purpose is so specific and it might take decades to find exactly what the use is i mean that's like that's a level of mastery that is almost incomprehensible. We do it to ourselves. We'll spend years, as you talked about in our opening conversation, looking for those, okay, a little of this and a little of that, and I'll move a little sideways this way, and I'll look a little sideways this way, looking to my journey work as you are in. You are effectively engaged in that process. The way of craftsmanship will open your mind a little more to now be more 
consciously engaged in the, per, the you're in the perfect place of doing that in the journey work phase of your life. That's exactly what happens in those 20 years, 25 to 45. And if you understand it and you are becoming a craftsman in the way of in distinguishing yourself with your skills, you're not too much of a hurry to turn this piece, you, into something that you quite haven't completely understood after that five or 10 years of looking at that plank of wood. Okay, there it is. Now I see exactly what it is. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to be somewhere near roughly the age 40, 45, and you would be very close to crossing into the third phase of life as a craft, which is masterworks. And now that you're crossing into that next 20 years, this is going to now explode in the masterworks phase. And you would have done just, just what Mr. Nakashima did. Yeah, I was curious, what would you say about, um, I, I think that to some people, probably even to most people, if I can make a, uh, <laughs> a, a completely uh, ridiculous and unfounded one, claim yeah. here, um, <clears throat> that it's a lot easier for people to kind of look at external things, such as, I don't know, the piece of wood, if, if that's what you do, uh, or, or any number of things that, that you enjoy or are good at and be able to see those more objectively than to be able to look inward and see yourself with the same level of insight and the same level of intuition. I think it's hard to do that. It's hard to sort of go, this is what I'm feeling. Here's what probably brought that feeling on. Here are the things that I need to do. And so I'm wondering, maybe this is kind of a good connection into, into kind of how you approach things in your book. What would you say to, to that? The idea of like, well, how do I know these things about myself and how, how can I have that intuition? The simple answer is if we as human beings were taught from our earliest stages that our fundamental purpose was to make a masterpiece of our lives. If we were taught from young children, just as we start crossing into the apprenticeship phase around age 14 or so that rite of passage into the world of the adults. If we were taught that we are an organic material every much as is a tree or clay or wood to the, to the carver, we would start adopting and understanding ourselves in that way. But fundamentally, we're not taught to understand ourselves in that way. We are fundamentally not taught that we are the craftsperson of our own life and that over our lifetime, our eventual goal execution is to make a masterpiece of our life. For that reason, many of us have a little bit, as you said, that difficult time because it is not part of our worldview coming up. Our worldview is very different. It might be dictated by television and the society around us and the world that we're walking out to every single day, which is element one in life as a craft, family heritage. Not only your past, but what is the world in which you are living today? That's part of that heritage. So we're being imprinted in not that way. And therefore, to your point, we don't necessarily have that set of skills and understanding 
such that we're feeling exactly what you just described we're feeling. We're feeling unsure. Where's that coming from? How do I look at myself that way? And so forth and so on, right? Which yeah. is, you know, intuitively flying by the seat of one's pants, yeah? Um, so like in the way of any craft, uh, depending upon how the initial work got done, you can reach a certain state where you look back and say, aha, I can see that that wasn't built quite according to code. And I have to go back and do some rework to kind of get it back aligned. And the word is called alignment in craftsmanship. And alignment is critical because it then makes you understand, oh, okay, it doesn't mean I necessarily have to tear down and kill it, which is a horrible thought to think about oneself and going back. Yeah. But the idea of how, what mentors and masters are available to me to help do some realignment such that I can continue the work in a more balanced way. And all of a sudden, you, you're, you're not cutting your own head off and you're not taking a hammer to yourself and doing all these things that hurt us, you know, um, and that's what you were describing are those feelings inside. So the answer is it would be lovely if we grew up in a society where those all those skills were fundamentally from the beginning taught that you are a masterpiece in the making. And here's the schooling for the rest of your life and career is one element of it. And so is look at the rest of this stuff we're going to talk about. But it's not the case. So the way that we do it uh, is through and this is why I'm doing uh, interviews with podcast hosts, because this is my way of now coming back and giving it back to the world is that in craftsmanship, there are these two fundamental principles called self-dependency, which is you learn the skills to be able to do the correct work properly. But then the concept of interdependency, which is taught in journey work. When you go out to your journey work, the idea is that you're making the social connections with other journeymen and journeywoman in those trades. And you are creating that interdependency, which is the idea of mutually lifting one another up. And these dialogues that you and I are having are the ways in which we will now start creating these little mini guilds that we can talk with one another about this and start getting ourselves realigned because it's the only way to do it. If you leave yourself to your own self in your own dark workshop all by yourself, there's a good chance that you'll misuse the tools somehow, some way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, and also regarding... Um... I suppose the podcasting community um, definitely does help with that sort of thing as well, because, um, and in a sense, I mean, even, even the coronavirus, I suppose, brought, you know, like the two of us would not be talking had it not been for the pandemic, ironically enough. And um, yeah, it does seem that there are these sort of newish schools of thought that, that arise from the podcasting universe, I guess. Yes, I think w w the thing that I found what I thought was really interesting, because I, 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 I didn't want to be a podcast host myself, uh, which only would have meant having conversations with mentors and masters and drawing out their knowledge to share with others. I felt that there was a community of craftsmen and craftswomen who were podcast hosts, as you are, that are good, uh, good in getting better at it and are creating interdependent communities of thought and conversation uh, and that those communities as they find one another you know people who listen to certain hosts say I like their approach and I like their demeanor and I like their guests so they start kind of coalescing around that particular podcast mm. 
And that becomes the vehicle whereby we can trans transition this information to these communities and then bring these communities back in the cultural manner that the podcast host allows for, you know, however they're structuring their podcast. A lot of people trying it out, which I think is the explosion as happens in any trade or craft, the initial, wow, I can do this too. And I think we're going to start to see the sparkles from the fireworks starting to come down from the sky a little bit. Oh, and as sure. those settle, hopefully, you know, the quality stars will let, be set in the firmament. And, you know, we will then have a new generation of uh, podcast hosts and quality work that's being presented to the world. I, I always joke with my friends about about like, hey, are you a, a you know, a, a white guy in your 30s? Well, when are you starting your podcast? You know, it just seems to be this... Yeah, Silly true thing. enough. True enough. Um, you, you know, the, the, the other thing that I like about it, what you were just said, um, is I have found in uh, I, I started reaching out to podcast hosts um, about the first week of February. I now have 36 invitations uh, scheduled to to speak with and like like you. And and um, the, the thing that I liked very much about it is the variety of people that I am talking with, uh, culturally backgrounds, racial backgrounds, age diversity, physical locations all over the world that have found interest in wanting to talk about this particular way of looking at life as a craft versus life as a trial and error, hit or miss (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, type of thing. And you're always just dodging the bullet. And I, and uh, I think what's extraordinary about it is I, to your point, I don't think there would have been another time that I would have had the good fortune to be able to share this idea. Because if I ran my own podcast, there's only going to be a certain number of people in a certain vibration that might want to come and listen to it. Whereby this message traveling through so many different channels is going to get a much wider audience just because they have an affinity towards that particular host and their style. So, so uh, yeah, I'm m- many of my podcast episodes will probably be left to the archives of history and they'll be buried in sand, you know, in, in a couple of years, but maybe one or two will survive. Yeah. And who knows, maybe in thousands of years and whatever form of language we're speaking at that point in time, people will look back at one of these in which you're there and, look at it with the same uh, degree of admiration that you looked at the, uh, the mosaic tiles in that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the French. Uh, oh, Le Petit Palais. Palais. Yeah. yeah. In, in Paris. Well, you know what, if they do, they'll just be repeating something that we're doing today, which is uh, appreciating the idea of craftsmanship as a principle, excellence of execution. And uh, I just think about this all the time, trying to think about purpose and, the thing I th- the thing that's most important about all of this uh, in in this in this conversation uh, and you brought it up before the the idea of structure is that while there are many different opinions of individual people sharing ideas about how they perceive life and or metaphors for life or lack thereof as it may be, this thing called the way of craftsmanship does not belong to me. Uh, while it may be associated with my name for a short time, it is something that preexisted me. It is something that will survive long beyond me. 
And the thing that makes it different for those who are listening and may want to consider these words and your questions is it is based on the idea of something that has a result as its end product, a result of quality, a result which speaks for itself, whereby the craftsperson stands back and lets the work speak for itself, not this high-talking, high-fast sales pitch thing <laughs> that we get too much of today. Let, let the work speak for itself. And, um, and when you start understanding that, you're going to start looking at things around you in a very different way and find that when you find something of high quality that took 10,000 hours to learn how to do, whether it's somebody, a law or uh, a medical practice or whatever medium it appears in, you're going to start, take, you're going to start seeing a lot of uh, copy, photocopy. Uh, mm. stuff out there that you should not consider craftsmanship craft work yeah agreed um hey before we before we get going um how can people um find you what sort of resources would you like to um to let people know about your book etc et mylifemasterpiece.com that url will take them to the life masterpiece journal uh, which is where I'm now depositing. I put that's on a platform called Medium, where I can write articles to explain this, and where I can, you know, put audio uh, episodes. Um, so that that's a good place for them to go. But the uh, importantly is that uh, that they stay connected to uh, the podcast that they're hearing this from, because this will be a channel, you know, perhaps once, perhaps many times, uh, where they'll get behind the scenes because that's the only way that I'll do it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, it's been a real pleasure, Charles. I, I really do appreciate it. And um, uh, thanks so much. I, I hope that people will get as much value out of it as I have today. Thank you, Adam. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for tuning in this week. We would love for you to be part of our next discussion. Join our live events happening every week at BeFunBeKind.com. See you soon.